You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 23 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I am very, very excited to bring you a man named Jonathan Scott, and he has been in ministry for 35 years, but not only that, he is actually my pastor at my church of Forest Hill, so I'm very excited to get the chance to talk to him one-on-one today and hear a little bit more about his story and how God led him to where he is today. So Jonathan, welcome to the show. It is an honor to be here, Jess. Thank you very much. Thank you. So as we get started, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background growing up and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, so kind of an interesting background. I was born in Manhattan, New York, to Jamaican parents who were living in the Bahamas. I'm an an interdimensional space traveler at that particular point. So my mom and dad had relocated from Jamaica to the Bahamas. My grandparents relocated to New York. My mom visited from Bahamas to New York while she was there and then came back after the birth because that's where dad was. Okay. Um, I was uh, grew up in the Bahamas for the first 11 years of my life. Um, I have uh, Jamaican parents. I My brother and sister are from Jamaica, another brother from Bahamas. I'm the only natural born American. Um, but they've all become citizens. We allowed them to stay in the country, which was awesome. Um, and then um, uh, the, the oldest of four kids, we moved to Miami, Florida in 1973. I was 11 years old, but it was at seven years old, uh, a very strong Christian background. I don't know what life is like without God in it. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but strong Christian background and very, very churched. Uh, loved the church, as a matter of fact. I loved it. And uh, it was at home that I asked my mom, to help me accept Christ as my uh, Savior and Lord. And I, and I knelt down on one side of the bed, understanding. So it wasn't like after, you know, I was at a hellfire and brimstone sermon or or the preacher was making the push at Vacation Bible School. It was at home where we did that. Our, our family would have regular weekly devotionals. And because of all those kinds of things, I um, knelt on one side of the bed and prayed and asked Jesus into my, into my heart. I've never known any significant doubts about that ever since that point. There have been doubts, no doubt about that, but nothing that caused, I don't think I really am. Although I must have prayed the prayer a bunch of times just to make sure. (laughs) Um, I was probably around nine years old when I took my Bible. My dad was an accountant on the island, um, but he was also an itinerant preacher. So I watched him preach and I, uh, that was what I tried to imitate. So I remember taking my Bible out onto the stone gate that we had propping my Bible on the stone gate. I was probably like six or nine, preaching to cars and lizards as they were going by. No professions of faith among the animal kingdom. Um, but I've always been passionate about the, the scripture. Um, I moved to Miami in 1973. All kinds of things took place that were, that were wonderful. Uh, we joined a church, uh, Pentecostal church, charismatic church. Um, when I was like 12, I became the youth leader in that church, probably way too younger than I should have. A church pianist as well, too, at, at about 13, 14. Um, but it was at around 14 years old that I sensed God calling me to ministry. It was, not, it was not even a sense. I responded to what I felt God wanted me to do. Um, but it was not a surprise because I 
wanted nothing else. I was like president of Christian clubs at my public school. And so being in men ministry was a natural next step for me. Uh, so I uh, gave myself to that call at eight, 17, 18. I was licensed by my Baptist church. We left from the Pentecostal, became Southern Baptist in a wonderful Southern Baptist church in Miami, Florida. Uh, they licensed me to preach at 17, 18. I was ordained after I went to college uh, Gardner Webb University, Gardner Webb now University, uh, seminary out in Texas. Came back to my home church in Miami, served there for twelve years um, in youth ministry, junior high, senior high, college, then singles and discipleship. Earlier, I had interim, interim pastored two churches: one in North Carolina, one in uh, Miami. Uh, ordained officially um, in 1999. This is after I had uh, married um, Kathleen, my late wife. Had two kids right before I came to North Carolina. I uh, was ordained into ministry because I felt, okay, yeah, I've, I've been doing this for 12 years. I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so uh, I did that. And I then came to um, North Carolina, served at Calvary Church for about eight years in singles ministry, discipleship, teaching, and then now here at Forest Hill, 2007. Um, started off as a life group director, then oversaw the worship and arts here at Forest Hill for several years. Now campus pastor and one of the primary teaching pastors here at South Park Campus. Man, so when you run through it like that so quickly, you make it all sound so simple and easy. It was. It was, it was amazingly simple. So simple. Um, and so for, you're shaking your head. Yeah, no, not so, at all. No. So for our listeners out there who might be thinking like, okay, that sounds too easy. He met the Lord early. He knew what he wanted to do. You know, he just followed all the steps. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of thinking like, that is not my story. Mm-hmm. Like, how could God use me? What do you say to that person? I will say to them this. I was, it was eighth grade. I was eighth grade where in my relationship with God, and again, I, I, I know it's not a lot of people's stories, but quite frankly, everybody's story is really unique about how God decides to use them. And no one should emulate another person's story. Mm, Uh, When you hear a person's story, you should be grateful to God for what he is writing, (laughs) not for what merely people are living, but for what he is writing. And everybody has a story. I I took a bunch of people to Honduras for mission trip and uh, the people that went with me, they didn't think they had a story. And so they're like, well, what if we don't have, because they're thinking that their story had to be like somebody else's. And I said, what are you kidding Ask a couple of questions, and the, the the mission trip was amazing, as people simply just shared where they were, what was going on in their life, and God's unique, the beauty of His unique story. Um, I was eighth grade, and I said to God at eighth grade, "God, if you open the door for me to speak to people, I'll walk through the door." That's what I said. Mm. And I mean, I was I, I was sincere, absolutely, and sure enough, he did. And I was faithful to say, okay, gosh, this person is asking me a question about God. I'm going to answer it. Or this person's got an issue about a particular problem that's going on in their life. I'm going to listen and I'm going to answer it. I've been doing that now since I was in eighth grade. Wow. You open the door. You say, God, I love you. But more than that, I know you love me. You have a purpose I can't even begin. So I'm going to say yes before I even know what the question is. Hmm. I'm going to say yes before because I trust you or I'm learning to trust you and I'm going to see what happens. And you become obedient to whatever the next thing is, which just prepares you for the next, the next thing. Mm, Uh, Now to your point earlier on, that does, it it sounds simple, but there's all kinds of issues 
some valleys, some peaks. We can talk about that in a little bit. It wasn't an easy journey. As a matter of fact, coming to North Carolina, I did not want to. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I went to school at Gardner-Webb College at that particular point, Boiling Springs, North Carolina. That was a major culture shift from Miami, Florida. Uh, it seems oh, as they're if not the, similar? Um, no, no. Where, where, where <laughs> we deal with me. people in Miami, in Boiling Springs, most of them are cows in that particular part of the country, um, which was a shock to me. But I had left North Carolina and I said, I will never live here. I, I left. I didn't look at it in the rear view. I said, people were like, you know, singing Carolina, you know, on my mind or whatever. And I said, nope, not, not, I don't want to, I don't want to live here at all. Uh, Cause I love Miami. I'm from the Caribbean, right? Yeah. Um, it's in my blood. And so I love Miami. I love South Florida. So when I had the opportunity to come to um, North Carolina, a pastor called me and said, would you pray about it? I was like, yeah, I'll pray about it. Cause the answer was already no. Right. And I basically said, I'll never leave. I, I could have swore that when I said I'd never leave Miami and go to North Carolina, I heard from someplace at maybe an altitude of over 33,000 feet. I think I heard a <laughs> like this, uh, God laughing at me like, really? We'll see about that. Um, and it be, that, became, that became a journey of going to a place, leaving what I loved, what I knew, and taking my family, my wife at that point, my two young kids into a place I didn't want to go. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Mm, what did God teach you through that? That I am not in charge of my life. That's one <laughs> at all. And that here's the th- second thing. And I remember a prayer by Blaise Pascal that basically says, we really do not know what's good for us. We do not really know what is best for us. God has an eternal perspective. And it's not always about what I'm supposed to do, but what I am to become. Hmm. and everything, every decision that I've made to pursue God has done a number in forming me to better reflect the character of God, and there is still a lot of work <laughs> that God has to do in, in forming me. But that's what he showed me is that, Jonathan, this is my life in you. Colossians chapter, four, uh, chapter 3 tells us that Christ is our life. We think that Christ is supposed to help us with our life rather than no it's his and I, I've struggled with that all my Christianity all my life of, of, as far as surrendering my life completely to God especially when I definitely thought I had a better idea of what mm. how, how things should be um, and it's the fact that when I surrendered God showed himself to be as faithful as he promised even in the difficult stuff mm. so yeah amen and you mentioned you know, as we become, we reflect the character of God. But in order to reflect the character of God, we have to know the character of God, I think, and believe that he is who he says he is, but we have to know who he says he is then. And you've been talking about that a lot at church and just different aspects of the character of God. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could share a few of those that are your favorites. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of your favorite things about God? Well, and, um, and, I, and I wrote a couple of things down. And now when you just said the way you did it, there's something else I have to, I have to bring into it. First of all, however, his transcendence. Um, having a God you can, tr- you can control is really not worthy of your life. Having a God who does exactly what you want, the way that you want, um, so that I'm still in charge <laughs> is, not, is not a worthy God. Um, I had a conversation with someone today that, that I said that we are all at base camp of Mount God. 
The transcendence of God means that he is beyond our imagination, beyond our capacity to embrace. He is larger than life. And quite frankly, only someone, not thing, someone that big is worthy of my worship. That's the thing I can control. So I love that about God. The, the idea that when I think of God in the terms of infinite, like my mind can't even wrap itself around that, that it, it's inspiring to know that there is this God who is not restricted to any of the limitations of time and space. So that's one of the things I love about God. Uh, one of my favorite books is The, the Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And some of the things that he said about God, especially in his infinitude, that's one of my favorite characteristics. And it's that God has infinite characteristics. In other words, he didn't just have the 50 that we see in the scriptures. He's got to have more than we know. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yes, we don't have characteristics we don't even have names it would, for. It would have, that, that's exactly, it's not in the yeah. dictionary because Webster didn't come up with all that stuff. But here's the thing. Every one of those characteristics of God is infinite in measure. Every one of them is infinite in measure. And we get to spend the rest of eternity trying to get to know more of that without the hindrance of sin. That's number one. Number two, his fatherliness. I would say this, his fatherly and motherliness. God is both father and mother in ways that the human being needs. And I refer to God a lot as father. I had a great dad. He wasn't perfect. Like, I'm not perfect. But I had a great dad. But my heavenly father, there's a picture. And see, and trying to make sure that I see myself as his son rather than as his subject. Yeah. Or as the child he's tolerating. I feel that sometimes. I, honestly, I feel that sometimes. And I have to be reminded by the truth of God and the, and the spirit that he is not tolerating what he purchased at such a great cost. Mm-hmm. So his fatherliness, um, just his patience, uh, his tenderness, his firmness, but his extravagance with grace. I know how I am with my kids. I love my kids. Uh, I would do anything for my kids. And that doesn't come anywhere near close to the infinite love of an infinite loving God for his kids. And I'm one of them. Can I just tell you, I still struggle at times in believing that I am that loved. Okay. Yeah. But I would say in light of what you just said, you know, we still have to know the character of God. Right. I will say that in my life, what has been used to reveal the character of God has been adversity. Mm. Yeah. Um, Having to go through some of the things I've dealt with in my life and the lives of other people, I've learned a lot about God in the difficulty, and I'm still learning. Um, Because it's an adversity where there's a hunger to need more than what you knew, but mm. what you knew sets you up right? yeah. for being able to engage God as you are. And it's almost as if he invites you further in. Jesus says in John 14, 21, he says, whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. I love him. My father will love him as well. And I will disclose myself to him. 
Now, the idea that Jesus wants us to know him and our obedience in the midst of difficulties actually opens the door like any relationship for us to see an aspect of God that through the lens of adversity or challenges in life gives a picture of God we couldn't have known. For instance, where would we know about the patience of God if we didn't need it? <laughs> you know, where, where would we know about the grace of God if we didn't experience it because of our screw-ups? Hmm. So, yeah, I would say that I've learned uh, a great deal about him through my failures and the challenges in life. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about some of those challenges? I feel like we have a lot of listeners, especially in the past year and a half, who have experienced and walked through a lot of loss. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, coming out of the past year and a half, hopefully we're coming out of some things, but I think people are just starting to realize some things that they lost along the way that maybe they were too in the thick of it to see. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just feel like I'm supposed to ask you to talk a little bit about loss and God's like ability to step into it. Um, the, probably the greatest was, um, my wife of 30 years, uh, we married 30 years. The first year of our marriage, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. The first year, um, she, uh, was in need of significant assistance. She had a remission, went into remission for about two years, a relapse rebounded after uh, treatment, another relapse and never pulled out of it. And then for the next many years after two kids, a decline. Um, and yet, the Lord was incredibly sweet to us in the midst of the fact that things continue to get worse. I'm talking with my kids, they remember the day that their mother said, pulled the car into the driveway after picking them up from school. And she said, I can't drive anymore. You know, and dealing with, dealing with that or having to deal with the fact that she really wants to be able to have control of how the house is, but she's no longer capable and having to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my life shifted from uh, doing more uh, caring for her and the kids and the house and ministry as well too. Um, But the last year, um, which was uh, 2017, 18, when she uh, passed away was a very, very, very difficult, very hard year for me and my kids and my wife as she went into the final throes. Um, And, you know, we prayed and prayed and asked God to change things, thought that he would. As a matter of fact, there was a point where we thought, man, there's a rally, things are going to turn around and and it went the complete opposite direction. Uh, and it's almost as if we've been preparing for that for a while, but, and we went through that. The kids and I went through that. Uh, and it was, the church was amazing. Oh my goodness. Both the church in Miami, Calvary church, Forest Hill church, amazing. What we experienced of the body of Christ, but there's only so much that people can do. Uh, People really can't fix a lot of what's wrong. Um, so we went through that, 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 that grieving, that loss. And after the funeral and then after reflection, I remember my daughter and I were talking. And of course, um, the kids adored their mom, right? My, my daughter adored her mom. And through the grief, she said, said to me, and, and I, when she said it, I was like, yeah. She said, as bad as it was, I know that we couldn't be where we are with an understanding of God had we not gone through it. Oh, wow. And so therefore there's a sense to where, don't ever want to do that again, but I can be grateful to have experienced
experienced the goodness of God in the midst of the tragedy in life. Mm-hmm. And she said that I was like, yeah, I, 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 I sense that as well. Um, and there's that passage where Paul in Philippians says that he longs to know the fellowship of his resurrection uh, and to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know the, resur- the powers of resurrection and the fellowship. I don't know that we really want the fellowship of the sufferings. Yeah. And I don't think we really do. I don't think so. But that's because I don't know that we properly prioritize the greatest priority and passion in this life and the next is unhindered fellowship and communion with the God who made us and redeemed us. There is nothing greater. So there is nothing on earth that we can lose that can't be made up for by a renewed understanding and joy and fellowship in God because it's when we lose the things in this life that we can then see how valuable we really are and the valuable things that we really have in him. I think, unfortunately, because we're prosperity, we're comfort-driven, we're preference-driven, adversity rips the facade of all of that as security away. It rips it away. It, 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 Jesus is like a, a, a fence ripper. He, he, he makes sure that people can't live on fences. We live in the reality of a truth that is greater than this life. Um, and sometimes it's the challenging things. So that's what I've gone through uh, as far as the loss. And, it, and it, it's made me a better person. It's made me a better pastor. Like I said, there's still a lot of work to go in, in that. But, but I'm grateful for what he has and is continuing to take me through. Yeah. What would you say to the person out there who is so in the thick of it, they feel like they're suffocating. Yeah. And they, you know, they hear what you're saying and it's like, that, I want to feel that. I want to know that. What is maybe a first step that they could take? Um, it's okay to feel exactly what you're feeling. Mm. Be honest about the reality of what you're feeling. In the times of my, um, of my difficulty, I would... I would crumple on the floor and cry out to God. Sometimes when we try to get over it, we try to make things happen in our, in our strength, it can just shred us of strength after a while. So I would say, number one, be honest about where you are because he is right there. And he understands because he has been not only right there, but even more the places where I'm able to reflect that Jesus Christ, sometimes he didn't say, hey, I want to make things better. Hey, I'm going to take away your pain. Sometimes I felt Jesus actually saying to me when I was honest, I felt him saying to me, Jonathan, I know. I know. And what I went through is available to you as well. If you will come to me as you are, don't fake it. Don't pretend, don't pump a lot of sunshine and fluff. Tell me exactly where you are. I am with you. And it's more important that you tell me than I just know what you're thinking because it's that relationship. And so I would say the number one thing, be real, be honest with a God right where you are. Let him have it. Let him hear your heart pouring out the grief, the loss, the frustration, and say, God, I'm, I'm bringing this to you. 
Now, can I say that I, I, I do a kind of a baseball thing, baseball inning, right? Where with baseball, one person's at bat, one team's at bat, the other team's in the field, and then they switch, and then the inning's over. So I make sure that even when I'm blurting out and I'm just ah, ah, angry, I let God have his, his bat. I let, I let him speak. So I, 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 I'm effusive with the things that I'm feeling. I tell them. But then I'm saying, okay, now God, you talk to me. And I'll get still. I'll get silent. I'll open the word or I'll remember particular scriptures. I'll let him speak to me. So it's not only being real, but let God have his chance to speak to you as well. And for that to happen, you got to get still. You got to get silent to let him be real with you where you are. Yeah. Man, when you said that the Lord told you, like, I know. Yeah. That gave me chills, and I believe that that's for someone out there. Like, the Lord just wants you to know that He knows. He sees what you're going through. You are not forgotten. He has been there, and His heart is breaking with you. Yes. And He has not left you, even if you feel so alone. Yeah. And I I just want you to hear that. Can I show you, can I show you a picture? Yeah. One of my favorite pictures, I don't know if you can see it, is that one, you see that one of Jesus? Oh, yeah. So, listeners, you'll have to go to oh, YouTube they can't, they can't and find yeah. our video. Um, and I'll do grab a screenshot of it and post okay. it in our show notes, too. Okay. But to describe it, it's a picture of Jesus. And how would you describe it? He's, He's, he is actually on the cross in his suffering. Mm. Uh, and when you get closer to the picture, there's a there's like a, a the, the large face of Jesus and then the smaller. And the, the face on the cross, it's actually looking towards the viewer, mm. looking at you. Where this has helped me is nobody knows suffering like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Therefore, nobody knows our suffering better than him. And there's that passage in Hebrews chapter four that says that he is a high priest who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. And therefore we can come to him with confidence to the throne of grace to receive what we need. Jesus knows. And that's what carried me through is the fact that, and he never says, hey, you think you've got it rough. Look at what I, no, he, he never does that. He, he, he comes with love that says, look, I carried even your griefs. I carried even your sorrows. And I'm not here to one-up you. I'm telling you, you don't even know the depths of what you're dealing with sometimes. I do. Mm. I do. And I have a way not always to get you out of it, but to get you through it without losing your life. If you will come to me broken, (laughs) upset as you are, I am using even that eventually for your good. Amen. Yeah. That's good. That, that's, what, that's what I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. So the times when you're maybe not walking through the intense hardship or the struggle, um, what are some practices that you have to remain rooted in your identity through the good times or the bad times? Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I just came off of a sabbatical. 
Um, yeah. Forced, Forest Hill has been wonderful in being able to allow us to do that. And it's, uh, for six weeks, I was off. One of the things I definitely wanted to do was sometimes as a, as a minister or pastor, you can get really caught into the stuff you got to do for people and you can lose who you really are. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I would say six. I mean, I, I can go spiritual. We, we'll get there in a second. But I love doing music. Right? I mean, I love playing music. I love composing music. I, 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 I did albums before, uh, creation. And I hadn't done a whole lot of that. So sometimes one of the ways to, 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 to reestablish or renew your identity is what do you love to do? Yeah. Well, and God put that, that in you. Exactly right. I yeah. mean, I love the idea that recreation, you split those words up and it's recreation. There's an aspect mm. of who we were always meant to be. So uh, favorite foods, favorite scenery for me, the beach, because of the Caribbean thing, that's, that, that's I got to get, I got to get there. That just restores me. Uh, being with, good people. <laughs> it's, also, it's also very important. And so I had some amazing people speaking into my life, loved it. But yeah, being able to play, um, walking on the greenway with my Siberian Husky, Max, um, spending time with my wife, with my kids. So some of those things, and by the way, those are spiritual things. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are spiritual things. It's not as if that's a completely different set of category. That's just a different way of accessing who God made you to be, go back and do the things you love. Yes. Things that matter to you. Um, Part of it is also for me, my identity, the truest thing about me is what God says about me. Not what anybody else or not even what I say. And so sometimes for me, I have to adopt from time to time. And I can tell you, it's a challenge. Solitude, stillness, silence. Mm. Those are all very challenging for me. stillness. And silence, because my soul, all our soul, hungers for something more than this life can offer. Mm. But it's available in this life through being alone, being away from uh, distractions and other people, being still. Stop the churn, you know, the activity. Um, there's a there's a statement that says a sheep have a difficulty drinking from a stream that's disturbed. Right, that that that's why he's he leads us beside still waters. It's easier to drink in that way, and yeah. then silence, where we've tuned out the noise of the world or the noise on social media or the noise in everybody that wants your attention, just to enjoy the. You know what it's like when you're with a loved one, a special loved one, and you're together, and you're not saying anything because you don't need to. He wants that with us, and yet. Even though there's nothing being said, there is something being communicated at the same time. So I'd say that. For me also, meditation on the word for me. I mean, hearing the words of God without anything else going on, it, it feeds and nourishes my soul. So taking a, a, a scripture, sometimes reading a, you know, an entire chapter, or just taking one passage and chewing on that for a while. Um, Christian um, uplifting worship music. Um, it's, it's some, another way that I try to renew who I am in that in that sense, uh, communication with God. So those are some of the things that I do. And they're all, I would even say, hey, which one's more important? That's all about who I am, yeah. who God made me. And it actually enables me to enjoy God and the me God created. Mm, yeah. And I think that just brings the Lord such delight it when does. we are being who we were created to be. Yeah. I think he just yeah. eats it up. 
Well, think, think about how you feel like when your kids are laughing, you know, the belly laughs, you know, just, you just can't help it. <laughs> as, a, as a parent, see my kids enjoy themselves. Again, that doesn't come close, I think, to the way the father also experiences when we are just rip, roaring, having yeah. fun in the simplest of things. He is with us in those moments. He's not just watching. I think he's a part of it as well, too. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So we are almost out of time. These conversations always Yikes. go way too fast. Yikes. I know, right? <laughs> so, I all these questions all listed that we were supposed to get through. I know. You sent me that whole list. I was like, oh, we might get through two of those. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the Lord always directs us where he needs us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go, I want to just open it up to you for what did I miss? What is the Holy Spirit laying on your heart? Um that you just want to end us on. Yeah. And you have well, time. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say that the Lord was blessed me. Um, um, after my late wife, the Lord brought me another woman, uh, a wonderful woman in my life. I may is her name. Uh, we've been married now for two years and uh, God's doing a wonderful thing in my life and her life and our being together. I'm grateful for his provision, but not because God said, Oh, Jonathan's lonely. I need to No, that wasn't it at all. It's just the opportunity of being able to, to love. I, I, I would, I would say this. Um, our world right now is under an, an amazing oppression. Uh, it can be demonic. I just think it's a world that is untethered, a world that is, um, yeah, we're experiencing the way the world really is. God is calling to us in the midst of chaos. He, he's calling to us to come to him. The, the passage in, um, in Matthew 11 Come to me, and I love the qualification, all you who are weary and burdened. So if, if, you're, if you're cool, if you if you got it under, under control, no, I'm not talking to you. If you are jacked up and if you are uh, stressed and anxious, I'm calling you to come to me, to learn from me, to take from me. I am, not just have, I am what you need. And what I love is the voices all over the world who are responding to that invitation and finding in Jesus the rest for their souls that he promised. Which means this world as jacked up as a lot, it's not, it's never going to, it's not going to win. It doesn't have the power over us because there's a power in it. That's greater than he who is in the world. And I would just want to say, wherever you may be, those of you that are listening, in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, there is a voice that is calling you to come and receive and experience life that is abundant, life that is transcendent, life that you were always designed for. It's available in Jesus, even if it's progressively. Right, little at a time, but it's available right now. God wants nothing more for us than His life in us. Amen. That is a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, if you want more, he preaches almost every Sunday. So if you go to the Forest Hill Church website linked in our show notes, you can hear countless sermons from Jonathan Scott, and they are 
all as good as as this. Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) They are. Trust me. (laughs) He's just humble. Uh, I'm very honest. Because I I listen to those sermons as well, too. So I know. Uh, Well, thank you for being on today. My pleasure, Jess. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Wow, wow, wow. What a great conversation with Jonathan. I got chills so many times. Um, You know, anytime I start one of these interviews, I have kind of a general outline of what questions I think I'm going to ask. And, you know, a lot of times, if you've been listening for a while, you notice I ask pretty much the same questions every time. It's not because I'm being lazy. It's just because I feel like those questions are so specific to what God has asked of us on this show, of just continuing to go back to the themes of who is God and who we are in Him. I mean, that that's our new tagline. That is the whole purpose. But what I love about the Lord is that I can ask the same three or four questions every single time, and I will get different answers every single time. Because like Jonathan said in the beginning, your story is not to emulate anyone else. Every single guest, every single listener has their own story, their own special characteristics that they love about the Lord. And I just love how I can ask the same questions and get so many different answers, and they're all so true about God because He is so vast and so infinite and also so intimate that He shows up to each of us in the exact way that we need. And I just can't get over that. Um, so that that's the first thought I had. The second thought toward the end when um, I asked what, Jonathan does to stay rooted in his identity. And he talked about some of his creative activities and that really hit home for me. Um, you know, the, the whole reason I'm on this podcast is because of a creative venture that I started back in 2016 as a way to just <clears throat> reclaim my creativity. I felt like I was kind of floundering. I felt very disconnected from myself. And so I started doing hand lettering and watercolor just to reconnect to that artistic side that I felt like was in me, but I had lost touch with. And out of that, Tia, our founder of Collected and um, who used to host the podcast with us, she reached out to me and said, Jess, I want to create a coffee table book and I want you to illustrate it. I want it to have your pretty words and I want it to be a pretty book. Well, that coffee table book never happened, but out of that, we started collected and maybe one day the coffee table book will happen. But I just love that when we reconnect with who we were created to be and spend time investing in things we enjoy, like that time is not wasted and God can use that to open doors that are completely surprising. I never thought I would host a podcast. And yet here I am and I love it and it's life-giving. Um, so that's thing number two. Thing number three, I think I just have three things. Thing number three, um, speaking of Tia, we are going to have a special bonus episode next Thursday where Tia is going to come on and give us an update about her life and the exciting new directions God has taken her. Um, because as you've noticed, she has not joined me again and she's been on her own sabbatical. Um, 
which has come to an end. And so she's going to give us an update and tell us what is next for her. So that will be next Thursday. So you won't have to wait two weeks to hear from us, but it'll be a much shorter episode. Uh, So a little bonus episode. So that was my third thing. And I lied. I have, I thought of a fourth thing. Um, my last thing is I would love to give you an update on my condo situation. Those of you who listen regularly, you'll know my condo was flooded last November and, um, I've shared some frustrations along the way and I have great news. Our permits went through and they have started the demolitions and hopefully we will start renovations soon. And the new estimated time is the end of January for it to be finished. So still a little frustrating that it is taking so long, but I was very encouraged at least to have that, the permits on the door and to see that progress. And, you know, it just reminded me of so many spiritual things I'm learning. Um, (laughs) Like Jonathan was saying, in the hardships, we learn new things about God. And Jonathan mentioned, you don't learn about his patience unless you have to experience patience. Um, but when those permits showed up on the door, it was this reminder or picture for me that God was still working even when I couldn't see it. So those permits took way longer than I would have liked, um, which you know, fill in your own situation of whatever is taking longer than you would like. And so many days I just felt frustrated because I couldn't see any progress. But people were working behind the scenes. Other people were doing their jobs. I just couldn't see it. And now that I have those permits and that like tangible picture, it's just that reminder to me that even when it doesn't seem like there's progress, God is at work. And it may not happen in our timeline, but work is being done. And I'm still frustrated (laughs) because I thought it would be done by November 1st. But I know God has showed up every step of the way. He has provided housing each step of the way, provided resources. And so I just know He'll provide for those extra three months of housing, he'll like, he'll take care of me. And so I'm continuing to see that over and over. And before the flood happened, a couple years before the flood happened, there was a season of my life where I just felt like God was blessing my socks off in ridiculous ways that I didn't earn or deserve, which is his grace. But even the way he provided the condo, um, and just, you know, the way he had brought certain people into my life. And I was just feeling very blessed and seen by God. And at one point, I felt like he was saying to me, remember this, because you won't always feel like this, but it is always true. And so a lot of times, the past faithfulness of God can carry us through the struggles and remind us of what is true about God, even if we don't feel it in every single specific moment. Um, so that was my fourth thing, which I didn't know I had, and it ended up being the longest one. So there you go. Um, and yeah, that's all I have for you. Please, 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 if you enjoy our show, give us a five-star rating. That helps so much. If you leave a review, that extremely 
um, blesses us and allows more people to find us. And, um, you know, if you feel led to contribute financially, we are an official nonprofit. So if you go to our website, any gift you make will be tax deductible. And um, it just keeps us running. And I thank our donors so much. Um, we couldn't do this without you. And you're a huge blessing to our ministry if you give to us already. We love you. Um, whether you give or not, I love you. And I just hope you continue to join us every other week. So again, I'll see you next week with a bonus episode for Tia. And I hope, just hope you have a wonderful week. I'm praying for you and I love you very much. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Just Beyondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.